Well, you know, some days are harder than others. You found that out in life? Some days are easy. Some days are tough. And you never know when you get up in the morning which one it's going to be. Am I right? Today we're going to start to do a new series in our Bible. It's going to be in the book of Ephesians. You ought to turn there, okay? If you don't have a Bible, you're going to really struggle today. So maybe Mark... You could help us out and grab a couple Bibles. You might have forgot yours this morning. It happens to all of us. Um, be a good idea to have it because we're going to be using it a lot. Um, we're going to be in the book of Ephesians for, for quite some time, actually, and looking forward to it. I've been actually very excited about this for, for some time. If you're new at Centerpoint or if you haven't been around here a whole lot, you might not know how we do things. Let me just tell you. Um, see, we believe that God inspired His Word. That God's Spirit moved holy men to write down the Word that you and I have in our hands. We call it a Bible. And so, what we are endeavoring to do is to understand what God's message is to us as His children. And so, a huge part of what we do when we gather together is we open up God's Word, we turn to a section of it, and we work through it verse by verse by verse. We do that because we believe that's how God inspired it. That's what the Lord did to give us His Word. And so that's how we study it. And that's what we're going to do today. And I want to just pray with us together right now as a body that God would speak to our hearts. So let's go together in prayer. Father, Lord, thank You. Chains are broken. Shame gone. We are in Christ, Lord. Those that are in You are new creatures. Forgiven, accepted, justified, pardoned, redeemed. We are Yours. And we thank You for that, Lord. Thank You for Your forgiveness. For Your mercies new every morning. Lord, now we want to open up Your Word. We come to You hungry, needy, ready to hear. God, speak to our hearts. Encourage us with Your Word. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as I said, some days are hard and some days are easy. And quite honestly, you don't know what it's going to be when you wake up in the morning. So how do you function in that type of a world? How do you function when one day might be tough and another day might be easy and you don't know which it is? Now, I know how most people function. Most people function, quite honestly, wrongly. Most people in our world function completely wrong. Okay? And I'll just use a simple illustration that, that kind of helps us understand that. I remember one particular very hard day I had. I think some of you might have been there that day. It was, uh, it was at an event I was speaking at, and um, it was a local school, had a, a, a local Christian school, and they had me come and speak at the retreat, and they had one of these trapeze things, okay? You know what these things are? It's just this giant structure, okay? Were you there? Allie, were you there? Okay, Sam, were you there? All right, all right. So some of us were there. And they have this giant structure and they have these swing sets, okay? It's really what it amounts to. And you're up, I mean, thousands of feet up in the air. Okay, that's an exaggeration. But it feels that way to a person like me that has a little bit of a fear of heights. And what happens is they've got this thing up on the field and people are swinging back and forth. They've got these professional trapeze artists that are there. I mean, they're doing all these cool tricks. You know, they're flipping around and doing all kinds of you know, neat things in the air as they swing around. It's just so cool to watch. And so I'm walking up the field. I've been speaking to these teenagers, you know, for a day or so, and they see me coming. They're like, Pastor Lowell, you've got to get on the trapeze. You've got to do it. I'm thinking, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. But now, they, as teenagers typically do, they all gather together to do evil things, okay? 
And they start chanting for me to get on that trapeze, whatever it's called, okay? And you know, your pride kicks in. You just, you can't back down from all these people telling you to do it. So I go to this little rinkity-dink ladder. You should have seen the ladder. I mean, you'd make the things out of popsicle sticks. It'd be more secure. And up I go. It's real, real small. It's not like a normal ladder like you and I like to climb. It's this little guy that you're on both sides of this pole and you're climbing up. It's horrible. Hideous. You go all the way up to the top, okay? And there's a dude up there, you know, with the trapeze suit. He didn't get me one of those. I didn't get one of those suits. I'm just wearing regular old stuff, okay? And up I go to the top, and I've got to grab hold of that thing and swing out into the air and then swing back and then swing out again and just let go, and then I'll land in the safety net. Sounds simple, right? I'm thinking, ain't no way. Ain't no way I'm doing that. Now, before I climb the ladder... You know, they put a harness on me. You climb on a harness and you buckle this thing in and you latch it in, you know, and, and up you go. Okay, so I know I'm safe. I've done rock climbing and I've done repelling. I've done all that, okay? I know that I'm safe. But up I go. The little rinkity-dink ladder, like something like I'd throw away, like one of those old antennas, you know, that you climbed up your neighbor's house when you were a kid. Okay? It's like one of those things, all right? I mean, you know, you throw this thing away, and I'm climbing that thing with, now, with the safety harness and all that kind of stuff. No suit, no special little garment, you know, no, but regular clothes, and up I go. And every single step, the thing is shaking, okay, as you go higher. And so am I. I'm shaking. I get up to the very top. And up there's the professional, okay? He's, he's working with, you know, other people to get him to swing, okay? And so I'm standing there. Now, I've got a little bit of fear of heights, as I already said. And I remember my toes are hanging off the ledge, okay? Holly, did you do this? No, no, she didn't. You should have. So my, my toes are hanging off the ledge, and I've got this thing in my hands. Now, listen, I can do chin-ups. I can do pull-ups. I can do this all day long. But there's something about holding on to that thing and swinging out into the land of nowhere that scares me out of my mind. And a battle started in my mind. And that's the battle that I want to point to today. The battle for control over my body. Would I respond to my feelings what were my feel? What was I emoting? What were my feelings saying? Run! That's what my feelings were saying, right? But what was my head saying? What, what did my knowledge communicate to me? You're good. You're good, Lowell. You got the harness. You got the swing. You got the big net. You got the dude in the nice suit standing next to you. Okay? You're going to be fine. But the whole time, I'm in this battle. Who will win? My feelings or my knowledge? Listen, that is a walk that we walk all the time. Will you be driven by your feelings, by your emotions, by your fears? By your desires, will you be driven by those things or will you be driven by the knowledge of God? That is the question for you and I today and in our life. How will we walk? How will we live? 
What will our lifestyle be? And Ephesians is going to answer that to us from the Word of God. Okay? Looking forward to this. Let me go with you to Ephesians chapter 1. Okay? Let's just get a flavor here of what's happening. Okay? Let's just read the first verse, and then we'll talk a little bit about what the Lord is communicating to us. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now you read those first two verses and it sounds a lot like a letter. It sounds a lot like a letter. Now when we read it, it sounds like it was maybe a letter written to a person named Paul because that's how I write letters. I write, Dear Nancy, I love you, right? That, and that's not how they wrote letters in these days. When Paul says Paul, and he identifies himself, in these days, when you wrote a letter, you wrote your name first. It makes sense, doesn't it, if you think about it? I mean, you know, you get a letter, what do you always do? If you get a letter, you want to know, well, who's this from? You don't just start reading it, okay, and get to the end, and, oh, it's from John. Well, that all makes sense now, right? You, you find out who wrote it first. That's how they did it then. See, this is just simply a letter. But it's a very important letter. It's part of your New Testament. I want to take a minute and introduce you to the New Testament. Before we dive into part of it, I think we better understand the whole package. So turn back in the front of your Bible, okay, to the table of contents. Go on the table of contents. I got a picture of a table of contents for you. Let me just do it. Let's just do a, a flyover of your New Testament. Okay? A flyover of your New Testament. You've got there in the table of contents, you, you have how the New Testament is laid out. 27 books, okay? Of different types, of, of different flavors, written by different people. And you might wonder why, why are these laid out the way that they are? I mean, why is Matthew first and Revelation last? And, and why does the book of Ephesians come after the book of Philippians? And, and how's all this working? Well, let me just walk through some of this for you, okay? First of all, you'll notice that in your table of contents, you've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Acts. Now, those are the Gospels and the Acts. Those are the, basically the narrative part of your Bible. That is the telling of a story. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Four different authors telling us the story, the narrative of the life of Jesus. All written from a different angle, but they communicate to us the, the narrative of the life of Jesus. Now then you turn a page, you get to Acts. Short for the Acts of the Apostles. And what Acts does is it picks up at the end of the Gospels and tells the story then of the church as God moved and planted and, and brought the church functioning on the earth. After Acts, you then move forward. You see in your table of contents. I remember a song, by the way. Do you know a song? It goes like this. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Acts and letter of the Romans. Anybody know this? First and second Corinthians. Galatians and Ephesians. Philippians, Colossians. First and second Thessalonians. Nobody's singing with me. First and second Timothy, Titus and Philemon, <coughs> Hebrews, James, first and second Peter, first and second, third John, Jude and Revelation. Did I miss any? So you can learn a song. And whenever somebody says, turn to, uh, you know, Philippians, you know what I do? I'm going, <laughs> that's what I do, okay? Once we get out of Acts, we then go into the epistles. These are letters. 
many of them written by the same guy who wrote Ephesians, Paul. He identifies himself often in these books. Tells us who he is. He's now writing God's message to groups of believers. He writes to a group of believers in Rome. We call that Romans. He writes to a group of believers in a city called Corinth. We call that first and second Corinthians. He writes to a region called Galatia. We call that Galatians. You see? Go to my next slide. You can't read it, but that's what makes it fun. Um, So I have here a a chart. Okay, this is, if you're interested in this, this chart is over there on that table. Okay? And here's what this is. I have a Bible. I've got many Bibles laying around my house. And one of them, over the years, I kind of wrote down a theme for each one of the books of the New Testament. Much of this is not original with me. I stole this from other people. But, it, but maybe this will help you to figure out what you're going to read in God's Word. Okay? Because you need to be in God's Word. Trust me. If you, as a child of God, you are not in the Word of God, you are suffering greatly. Now, that doesn't mean if you're in the Word of God, you're not going to suffer. But you're suffering alone. Mm. Suffering's one thing. Suffering alone, whole other ballgame. Whole other ballgame. You and I need to be in God's Word. Let me just say a few things about some of these books, okay? We have the Gospels, all right? We got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They all are, are telling the story of Jesus from a different angle. When you read Matthew, you're impressed that he is the king of the universe. When you read Mark, you will be impressed that he is servant of man. When you read Luke, you'll be impressed and just overwhelmed with the fact that Jesus is the God-man. He is both human and God. Hypostatic union, that should sound familiar over the last month. When you read John, you will discover he is the Savior of the world. John said that's why he wrote it, that we would see that he is the Savior of the world. You don't know where to start reading your Bible? I encourage you to go to John. John. It's all about Jesus being the Christ, the Messiah, your answer, your answer. And it's it's a focus now on Jesus. He is the reason why we exist, why we exist as a body, why we are saved. So we go to him. Then as you continue through, you have Acts, which is the story of the church. I call it his story of his church. We move through. I'm not going to hit all of these, but I'm going to hit just a few of them. Romans talks about the plan of salvation. Corinthians, both of them address problems in the church. Galatians is all about justification by grace alone. We are saved by grace alone, adding nothing. We get to Ephesians, that's where I'll stop on my list. I call Ephesians, now listen to this, the lifestyle of the rich and not famous, no. no. Remember that show in the 80s? Okay, remember that? Can anybody sing? Want to sing this theme song with me? Ready? Sing with me. Ready? One, don't. I'm not going to sing it, so I won't do that to you. That would have been really mean. So they had a theme song, and we won't sing it. But it was the lifestyle of the rich and famous. But I see Ephesians as the lifestyle of the rich and forgiven. The rich and forgiven. Now, I better define that, right? I better define that. Go to Ephesians. Go back there to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. You'll see why I'm saying that. The lifestyle of the rich and the forgiven. We already read the first two verses. 
Look what the next one says. 1-3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. The message of Ephesians is this. God has blessed you with, if you're in Christ, with every spiritual blessing there is. You have them all. You are overwhelmed with the riches you have in Christ. God has done so much in you if you are in Him. He has dealt with both your guilt and your shame. We will see that as we go through Ephesians. You are guilty before Him as a judge. And you are shameful before Him, separated your very identity opposed to Him. And God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing and given us adoption and given us redemption and given us everything that we could ever want. What we were designed for in Christ, He's given us. He's given us. Now it says here that Paul, in verse number 1, says, it says Paul is an apostle. Okay? Now let me show you that word in your, how it actually looks in your Bible. Okay? He's an apostolus. There he is. And it's one who is a sent one. That's where you can see where you get the word apostle. And here's what an apostle would be. An apostle is someone who has a special job. They work for a very important man or woman. And this very important person calls to their apostle and says, come here. Come here, i got something for you to do. And the apostle comes running. Because it's time for him to do his job. And the very important person communicates a message to this one and then sends him out to communicate that message. That is what an apostle is or was. And Paul identifies himself, in verse number one, as an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Here's what this tells us. Paul is not going to tell us his opinion. Quite honestly, I'm really not that concerned about Paul's opinion or your opinion or my opinion. Paul is going to tell us what God wants us to hear. He is a sent one from the Lord, from Christ Jesus. Paul has come with a message. So this brings confidence now. This brings confidence. It brings confidence to the apostle, but it also brings confidence to the hearer. You see, what we're going to discover when we go through the book of Ephesians or, or anywhere in your New Testament, what we're going to discover is the truth that God has sent to you by the will of God. This one is sent to bring you this message. You know, I still get the mail every day. It's funny. You, I mean, mail people in the room, I don't mean to offend you, okay, but mail is getting just downright worthless, isn't it? I mean, I get, I get the mail every day, okay, and I open it up, and I'm like, garbage, 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 garbage. Ooh, what's this? I got like one out of eight decent things. You have the same issue, okay? And it's just almost as bad as email, okay? Now, imagine, though, imagine if you go to your mailbox, and you open it up, 
and you pull the pile out, garbage, 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 and then there's a letter, and up in the upper left-hand corner, you can, whatever your persuasion is, you can say, from President Obama or President-elect Trump. I don't care, okay? doesn't matter to me. But I want you to imagine how you would read that letter. Why, you would, you would want to, you tear it open immediately. Right there in your car, you rip it open. What's going on? And then you'd read it over and over and over again. And by golly, you'd do what it says. The New Testament, those 27 books that we flashed up on the screen that was too small for you to read, this is God's message to us. From apostles sent by God, the very will of God, to communicate truth to you. How dare us, how dare us ignore it. What's wrong with us? Years ago at a, at a church where I was working, we, uh, we did this large survey of the whole church population. Ask all kinds of questions. You know, like everything from, you know, what's your spiritual gift? You know, where did you grow up? Just try to understand who was in our church, okay? One of the questions was, how often do you read your Bible? On your own, how often do you read your Bible? Now, our answer at that church aligned with the rest of American Christianity. And quite honestly, as a pastor, it was disheartening. It was disheartening. Because I know, I know what God has done. So do you. In bringing us his word. And as a pastor with a shepherd's heart, I want to see our people knowing and loving God. And if all they ever consume is this 40 minutes where somebody stands up front and talks a little bit, if this is all they ever consume of God in his word, they're malnutritioned and they're suffering alone and my heart breaks for them. On the back of that sheet over there that has the chart that you can actually read, okay? I, I gave you something, you can use it, you can find you know, a gazillion of these things online. But there's a 90-day there's a plan. You can read through your New Testament in 90 days, three months. You read, you read a few chapters a day. You can do it. You can, I mean, it's like, it's like less than 10 minutes. Now, don't check it off like, okay, I did my duty for today. Good boy. I, I don't mean that. But just go to it hungry. Go to God's Word hungry. That he might, that he might encourage your heart. So you don't suffer alone. So that's my little plug for the New Testament today. Let's get back into what Ephesians has to say to us, though. I want to show you a, a major truth of Ephesians. A major truth that we're going to see over and over and over as we study this together. And I'm going to show it to you several times today. I'll put it up on the screen for you. Here's what it is. And it's that our belief drives our behaviors. Our belief drives our behaviors. You want to know what you believe, just look at what you do. People say it this way. Well, you do what you want to do, Right? People that, you know, they might struggle to do this, they might struggle to do that. You know, this person is always doing this, or they're always doing that, or they're, they're always here, or they're always there. And what's everybody always say? It's kind of, you know, it's a little bit sort of sarcastic, but they'll say, well, you do what you want to do. How many people say that? Go ahead, raise your hand. Yep, me too. Let's raise them. Ready, ready? You are saying the truth. Our belief drives 
our behavior. And we're going to see that as we study through Ephesians. It's why our belief is so important. It's why it is that we stand here and trumpet the truths about God. You see, this is not a time for you to come here and me tell you, you should do this, 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 and this. If you're coming for that, that's not going to happen. Now, yeah, I already did, I guess, with reading your Bible, but that's driven by a belief that God has communicated to us. You see how we did that? I didn't just stand up here and say, read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible. I said, we are given God's word as God directed an apostle to direct us to it. So when we read God's word, it's because we believe that God's word is, in fact, God's word. Our belief drives our behavior. I want to show you this in the book of Ephesians several times. I want to overwhelm you with this truth. Okay, I want you to be like, man, he just was flying verses over my head. I just was completely turned over by it. If that happens, if you fall over in your chair from so much Bible coming at you saying this, I'm going to clap and say, all right, I did what I wanted to do. First of all, you'll notice, and you can look through this, you're not going to see it too much, but in chapters 1, 2, and 3 of Ephesians, it is all about truth. It is a declaration of truth. This is true, this is true, this is true, this is true. In all of those chapters, 1, 2, and 3, there's only one thing that you're told to do. You know that? There's only one imperative verb. You might, oh goodness, what's an imperative verb? Okay, let me tell you what an imperative verb is. All right? Run, dog! That's an imperative verb. Did you hear it? What was it? Run. Okay? That's an imper- it, it tells somebody to do something. Run, dog! That's an imperative. In chapters 1, 2, and 3, you're only going to find one imperative. So that means you can read chapters 1, 2, and 3 and stop there and guess how many things you know to do? One. Isn't that something? Ch- three chapters. You get up from your quiet time And you've got to decide what you're going to do. One thing. However, when you get to chapter 4, go there with me. Notice what happens. Verse number 1. I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And it goes on and on and on. Look at verse 25. Okay, just for sake of time, we'll skip down there. Therefore, verse 25, having put away all falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For we are all members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And this goes on and on and on. There are scores of imperatives in chapters 4, 5, and 6. So understand what just happened. In 1, 2, and 3, this is true, this is true, this is true, this is true of you. And then 4, 5, and 6, so go do. What is God trying to say to us? He's trying to say that your beliefs are what drive your behavior. If you want to know what you believe, just look at your life. If you want to know what kind of tree it is that you're growing, just look at the fruit. This concept is all through your Bible. Say, well, where is it at? The book of Romans. It's in one book, the book of Romans. Pastor Billy referenced this this morning in our focus group. Chapters 1 through 11, it's all about belief. Chapters 12 through 16, it's all about go and do. Look what God just did. 
believe, 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 11 times, and then 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, go do. You want to see it in one chapter, you say? Okay, go to Philippians. Turn over a page, all right? Go to Philippians chapter 3. We know it's in one book, Romans. Go to Philippians chapter 3. Look here. Philippians chapter 3. Jump in at verse number 9. We'll catch the tail end of 8. Paul writes, For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Now listen to these things. They're declarations of things that are true. Okay? Be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and may share in His suffering, becoming like Him in His death. That by any means possible, I may obtain, the re- the attain that is, the resurrection from the dead. See what Paul is saying? You've got to know Christ. He doesn't say, do, do, do. He says, no, no, no. I'll show it to you in one sentence. I think I got this one for the screen, I think. Do I? Might be two, four. One more. There it is. This is in Colossians chapter 1, chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. Check this out. Asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding... So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. I hope you see what I'm trying to demonstrate. You see, we as humans, we are fixated with what we do. We're all about what we do. It's why we're so drawn to religion. It's why you want to ask, what do I have to do to have eternal life. We're driven by do. But God is driven by done. God is driven by what we believe, what we know. Not what we do or what we feel. God is driven by what we know. So now go back one screen, Jonathan. You see, the way of the world is this. The way of the world, the way the, we- the world works is we feel. We feel something. So then I do it, and then I think I'll know it. Let me give you a perfect example of this, okay? Stand right here. I feel like I really love this person. I feel it with all of my guts. I had a man one time say to me, Pastor Lowell, I'm telling you, I feel love for this woman who is not my wife, married man. I feel love for her. I know God wants me and her together. And I say, well, she's not your wife. She is. I know, but I feel it. So what does he do? climbs into her arms and he does. And then he knows truth. He suffers. Alone. 
Somebody said, if you don't listen, you feel. Same truth. Same truth. Let me give you another walk down this road. Okay? Sometimes I feel like I just don't want to be with anybody. I just want to be, just leave me alone. Don't, don't talk to me. I want to watch ESPN. Just stay away from me. I want to be by myself. I don't want to go to church. I don't want to be with those people. I just want to be alone. That's what I feel. I want to be alone. Leave me alone. I don't, I don't, want, to, I don't want people. I don't want relationships. I don't want that. So, that's what I do. And then what do I learn? I learn what it is to suffer alone. You see, this is the way of the world. You feel it. I love her. I, we're going to be a happy married couple someday in the future. So we're going to give this a try. We feel like we love each other, so we're going to move in together and see how it works. Great idea if you're buying a car. Walk over here and see what you know. I'll tell you what we know. Studies show that marriage is much more prone to divorce. You know that? That's not Christians that say that. That's the secular world that says that. So what do we do instead? We turn that train around, folks. We turn that train around. And we start with what we know. We start with what we know. Here's what I know. It is God's will that you be sanctified. That you avoid sexual immorality. That's what I said to that man standing over there. Okay? It is God's will that you be sanctified. It's 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. And I said to him, we are to honor the marriage bed. Hebrews 13, verse 4. That's what I said to him. I said, Matthew chapter 19, we're not to commit adultery. That's what I said. These are no facts. No facts. But I feel, I feel like, a, I don't care what you feel. This is what we know. Now you go do You go home and you be faithful to your wife. You go home and you love her. You go home and treat her with love. You go home and you do. And you know what God does? God places in a heart a feeling of love. Let's walk it again, okay? Let's walk it again. I know... That God says, I am not to forsake the fellowship of the brothers, of the brethren. I'm supposed to, we're supposed to be with one another. We're supposed to be with one another. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Bear one another's burdens. These are the things I know. So, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to share my burden with you, and I'm going to listen to your burden back to me. And we're going to bear those burdens with one another. And we're going to be a body of believers. We're going to be friends who who are in this battle together. And then I feel the comfort of God and His people. See, the whole world's got this thing backwards. The whole world's got this thing backwards. I'll give you a pretty good principle in life. Whatever the world says to do, just go ahead and do the opposite, okay? Just go ahead and do the, you're, probably, you're going to be right like 9 out of 10, 9 out of 10 times. Just do the opposite. Now this is the message of Ephesians. That our belief drives our behavior. That we know so we do so we feel. 
Let's, let's do a quick, just once over, one more time in Ephesians. And I want to show you this several times, okay? Chapter 1. Go to Ephesians. I told you you need your Bible this morning. Ephesians chapter 1. Now, this is Paul's prayer now in verse 17. Now Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is recording what he's praying. We are now reading the prayer journal of the Apostle Paul. That's pretty significant, don't you think? This is what Paul is praying for people that he loves. What do you think it's going to be? Without reading, what's it going to be? That they, that they, what, read their Bible? That they always go home and love their wife? That they always stay under the speed limit? They never text and drive? They don't steal? What's it going to be? What's his prayer going to be? Look at verse 17. Look at verse 15. He says, For this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love towards the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Now verse 17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him. Know God. Know the Lord. He keeps going having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe. See where Paul goes? It's about what you know, and that you know God, not what you... God will take care of the do. God will deal with the do. You add to the know. Ephesians chapter 2, look at this one. Verse number 20, 19 and 20. Verse 19 and 20 says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the house of God. Now here it comes. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure holds together. You see, it's about what the apostles have communicated, not about what you go and do in your own strength. It's what has been communicated to us. This continues. Chapter 3, look at verse number 16. Again, we have another prayer, okay? You can see in 14, 15, this is another prayer. We'll jump right into the prayer. Paul says that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you be rooted and grounded in love and may have the strength to obey every single law in the Bible. Nope. Do what all good boys and good girls do. Nope. That's not what it is. That you and I may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the height and length, I'm sorry, breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Just quickly. Ephesians 5.1. This one's much shorter. Therefore, he says, be imitators of God. In order to be an imitator, you've got to know Him. You've got to know Him. Folks, it's over and over through all of our New Testament. 
God doesn't call you to do. God calls you to know Him. To know Him. Do you? Do you know Him as your Savior? Are you growing in your knowledge of Him? Listen, I've been, I've been kicking around in theology books for a long time. 20 years. I mean, you, you're going to think I'm a little weird, but honestly, sometimes when I have a little bit of time, you know, free time or whatever, I seriously open up my Kindle and open up a systematic theology book. I know that's weird. I'm, not, I'm okay with it, okay? Laugh at me all you want to. It's the truth. Sometimes. Sometimes I read other stuff too, but I enjoy reading theology. I know it's weird. We'll both get over it. But just last week, just last week, I was alone at my house in the basement had just my Bible open, reading God's Word. And I'm telling you, God's Spirit impressed the truth on my heart that could have been brand new and it wouldn't have shined any brighter in my mind. You don't know all there is to know. You don't truly know God completely. You say, I've been, I've been running around this place since I was two years old. You have not gone to the depths of who God is. You can dive on in that pool. You're not going to hit bottom. And as you swim, and as you swim in the depths of the knowledge of God, you will see the riches of what He has done in your life. See, it's why I call it the lifestyle. So this is how our life looks. But it's of the rich and forgiven. The lifestyle of the rich and forgiven. Let's, let's finish out with verse number 3. Okay? Blessed be the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Just a, just a couple of just little observations before we shut down. Notice, first of all, that Paul here is blessing God. Isn't that odd? Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul here is declaring a blessing to God. Don't you find that a little bit odd? I do. I find it a little strange that a man is saying, God, I, I give you a blessing. I give you a blessing. Now what this demonstrates to us is this. That God is the receiver of our praise and glory. God made you and me to praise and glorify Him, to worship Him, to shine Him. And Paul is demonstrating that. And that's not the only blessing there is. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ. So God has demonstrated love to us 
blessed us now. And the thing that's remarkable is, we've already mentioned this, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. You and I in Christ are rich with blessings. Blessings. Anything that could be blessed towards us is ours. Such a great truth. Listen, it is the answer to the envy that you have. It's the answer to the envy that you have. We as humans see all kinds of things that other people have and we think, oh, I'd like to have that too. I'd like to go there too. I'd like to drive that as well. I'd like to own that as well, right? And listen, let me, just, let me just fill you in on a fact that you don't want to hear. That stuff is never going to be fair. He's always going to make more money than you. She's always going to go on more trips than you. He's always going to be able to kick that soccer ball farther than you. She's always going to be prettier than you are. He's always going to be more romantic than you are. Those things are never fair. Never. Welcome to life, right? But in Christ, here is the ultimate leveling field. Here it is. It's the only thing in all of life that I don't care whether you're rich, poor, I don't care whether you're wealthy, or it doesn't matter. We all have this spiritual blessing in Christ. It's the one thing, it's the one thing that's equal if you're in Christ. If you're in Jesus today, every spiritual blessing is yours. Know it. And it will drive your life, and your behavior. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, Lord, you have blessed us in the heavenly places, you say, with every spiritual blessing. Forgiveness. Justification. Redemption. Adoption. Indwelling spirit. Condemnation, gone. Sins, forgiven. Christ's righteousness, ours. Home in heaven, secure. Guaranteed by the presence of the Spirit of God. We stand before you, Lord, in Christ as rich men and women. Thank you, Lord. It's all, it's all you. And we thank you, Lord. May we praise you now. In Jesus' name, amen.